I reached a moment in Dubai where like it was so hard for me to get a job. I even started thinking I could actually be a prostitute to make money because prostitutes in Dubai, they don't suffer. This in my blood, that's a gem where the mountains rise With stories untold, the tapestry of cultures and falling so vibrant and bold A symphony of stars, a celestial light The drums beating echoing through the night Just like a beacon of light, a reflection that's coming up from the Nile I'm flowing straight into the heart of Africa with timeless stories untold Esther Welcome to yeah. my podcast, even though you were late. Well, thank you so much for having me. I was one minute late too. Yeah, she was one yeah. minute late. Okay. See, the thing is, because it's like, it was raining a little bit. So I, I think I like, I over-prepared myself, like getting all cute and all that. And I was like, 20 minutes left. Let me take a pause. I was like, she messaged me last time when it was the wrong date. How can she be late? Because yeah. she knew this was going to happen. So I was like, she can't be late. And it's been a long time ever since I got to know about you. And ever since mm. I wanted to have you on the podcast, I got connected to you by Winnie Harvard. How do you know Winnie Harvard? Let's start from there. Okay, so Harvey, I know Harvard because of my past job. I was working in a salon in Nansana and she was the masseuse there. And when I did the podcast with Kangana, she was like, Esther, you've had such an experience. What? How about you talk about it on my brother's podcast? Like, mm -hmm. my brother has this podcast. And I'm like, who is he? Like, yeah, award-winning podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, let me look him up. And yeah, that is when it started. And I was like, I, I actually like, came to terms like maybe it will never happen because like, mm -hmm. the working times. But, you know. Mm -hmm. Thank God, now it's like I'm in a new job, I'm more flexible, and you're a celebrity now. Oh my God, don't even start. But uh, <laughs> I like that part, because I also didn't know, because I thought I was sad, because at one point, Winnie connected me, mm -hmm. he's like, hey, I'm going to connect you with this person, and then you reached out, we talked, and the podcast never happened. So I was just yeah. thinking, like, oh my gosh, you see, thinking like I'm avoiding her, I don't want her to be on the podcast. And then I got mm -hmm. busy, and then I'm like, but when I when we met again in Uganda, I was like, we definitely have to do this. And I was looking forward yeah. to to having you on the podcast. And I actually did listen into that episode that you're talking about, where you're talking about yeah. the experience um, in in living in Dubai and South Africa. And I want to know more about it because I want my listeners also to get a glimpse of what, and if they want more, they can look up the episode you were on there or you're going to share about some other stuff. But before we go into yeah. what I prepared for you today, tell me about Kinganda. How do you get connected to them? And I've seen you guys work together. You guys had a live show too in Uganda. I was supposed yeah. to attend and I had the dates that you guys put on there. I was already out of Uganda. So Kinganda. So I knew initially about Kinganda when I was still living in Dubai. And like, I was just like thinking, do I do YouTube? Should I do YouTube? And like, I had met this other girl on Dagiri. And she was very into like the American content and her audience was American. She's like, you know, there's this American guy called Shay Duke Jackson. He's best in Uganda. He's a content creator. I, re I really never cared. Right. Mm. 
And I started, uh, she started showing me that he also does the Pan-African dating show where mm -hmm. he matches like African people and Americans. I really never cared, right? And then we come back to Uganda. Yeah, because now I'm broke. <laughs> I was about to enter overstate. <laughs> now I'm broke. I'm forced to come back to Uganda against my will. And I have nowhere like to start from. I have nothing to do. But anyway, from the saloon, I'm there minding my own business. Uh, at the saloon and I started like doing YouTube. I think I had like 54 subscribers on mm -hmm. YouTube and his video randomly pops up on my YouTube channel about Africans be being beggars. And if you know anything, because you live in the diaspora, mm -hmm. you know, like any person who has lived outside of Uganda and you've had to send money back home, when you hear Africans are beggars and you're a content creator, you mm -hmm. got something to say. Yeah, right? exactly. So I was like... Let me react to his video. And I reacted to his video. And then I was just saying my chest out. Yes, they use us. They beg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was like, he literally like commented on my video. He's like, you got a lot of energy. I said, <laughs> on my show. Exactly. I'm like, what? And then I sent him a message on Instagram. And his team gets back to me. And then next thing I know, he's like, okay, come on to mm -hmm. my podcast with your friend Aguirre. And we go to the podcast mm -hmm. and later did we know the podcast it blows up and it becomes his most popular video until today yeah it blew up <laughs> i and that, that's how i found it because i i found it too on, on youtube when i watched it i'm like but i like it because you guys talk about the things that people go through and in on that episode it was really dope and it, it i like what you guys share about and i like stuff like that where People's perception of Africans, especially us who live in the diaspora, about being beggars. And yeah. and I, I share a little bit about my own experience living in America as a Ugandan, yeah. as an African, and what people think about you because of what they read in their history about Africans being a third world country, being poor. But yeah, not everything is like that. So I react to that. But yeah, that was cool. So now, were you just a guest or are you now part of the show or are you still just a friend of the show okay by that time i was just a guest and then i think after a week he calls me back he's like come to my pan african dating show to do an episode mm -hmm. i just go after i think three weeks from that time he gives me a call he's like esther a lot of people like you like also my episode on the pan african dating show like it blows up mm -hmm. and he's like come and be the host of the show and now i'm the host of the pan-african dating show and i'm part of kenganda nice nice video. congratulations yeah. congratulations that's that's amazing work that you do and uh i think when you guys did the valentine i i follow you so i follow what you do i watched the live of the the valentine where you you were three and i think that guy the guy who was on there i had talked to him is he part of the pan-african dating show oh which one you were two girls and one guy you guys were talking about he was talking about when you when you bring up the point of like where the bible says you leave your fam you leave your mom and dad and so the guy who was on that live that's what i'm talking about oh oh no it's the lady that is a part of the pan-african dating show the other one is there were just like people that came on okay that's it. okay all right yeah. that makes sense anyway yeah i wanted to run a little bit of the behind the scenes so my listeners get to know who you are what you're part of before we dive yeah. into like this whole conversation asking you questions i like them to yeah. know the behind the scenes which it's always good to talk to you and he was right about your energy. Like your energy is amazing. Even like the work you do 
which you bring. So it's it's people need to tap into your content a lot. So yeah. when you were explaining about you're going to Dubai, you were kind of touching yeah. on it a little bit. But like, can you share with us the initial inspiration or what motivated you to say, you know what, I'm going to leave Uganda, let me go to Dubai or even South uh, Africa, like later on, which one came uh, first, whichever came first. Okay, so South Africa came first, but like before even South Africa came first, Kenya came first. Okay. Because I think, I think it has even got to the point where people think I'm not Uganda because like, I'm very linguistic. I speak this language and I blend and I blend in here and there. But most people, unlike most people that are like, ah, you know what, I'm tired of Uganda. Let me go to Dubai and make money. Ah, for mm. me, it was never like that. Yeah. Looking for, for green, me, green was, pastures. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I did not get that luxury of like, ah, let me go and look for green pastures. Me, literally, in Uganda, because like, in Uganda, it started feeling like, I really have no one who cares about me when I was like very young in my early teens. Mm -hmm. I started working at a very young age. I started working at 12 and I was a housemaid, started renting. I was just that man. Like I'm just like a little girl in the grown up world and I see no one cares about me. Anyway, if I die today, who cares even? So <laughs> here is me at 16 thinking, yeah. you know what? How about we get out of here? And I'm like, okay. So back in the day, we had these IDs, the paper ones, not like the digitalized ones these mm -hmm. days. But we had the paper IDs, the Kabuk one. So I was like, mm, let's go to Esther, let's wake up and go to Nairobi. I had mm. saved, up, saved up some little money from working here and there. And then voila, I go to Nairobi. I don't know anyone there. I don't know the language. But all I know is I'm tired of living in Uganda. It's 16. Bus. I reach Nairobi. I don't have where to go. But clever me, you know, I've been on the streets in Kampala, like, yeah, <laughs> Nairobi's, Nairobi's just around the corner. What could go wrong? Exactly. So I stand there at the bus park in the morning. I have nowhere to go. And in my head, the money that I had was to last me for four days. I don't remember how much I had, but like. I had in my mind, like, if I can get a cheap hotel for, like, 300 Kenyan shillings times four, mm -hmm. I'm good to go. Yeah. By these four days, I must have a job and where to leave. <laughs> okay? <laughs> uh, randomly, I don't know, this is where I bring God in because I feel like even when you uh, try to do whatever you can do according to your knowledge, like, God will just, I don't know, come to your rescue somehow. Mm -hmm. You know? My mind just tells me, slope down. I start sloping down and voila, I stumble into a market called Karioko. And by that time, I saw like in Gazalani and Kampala, like craft shoes were becoming a thing. Yeah. So there I am, I'm walking recklessly and I find this market. I'm like, huh, so the shoes come from here. Okay. <laughs> mm. There is me walking like, in you. I was so used to acting like a grown-up when mm -hmm. I was in Uganda because like, it was so hard for me to get jobs. You see how short I am? Imagine yeah. how short I was at 16 and below. So in Uganda, I used to put on like wigs. I learned how to do my hair, like, you know, do some little things on my face to look grown-up so people can give me jobs. Mm -hmm. So in Nairobi, it was easy walking around like as if I'm a tourist. <laughs> I'm sure people are looking at me, they're thinking, gosh, she's in her 20s. Girl is 16. Yeah. Hi, how are you? How much are the shoes? As if I'm going to buy them. They tell me the prices. I'm like, can you teach me how to do them? This is something I would like to do in Uganda. These people were so nice. Yeah. I tell you. They're like, oh, sit down. They give me a chair. They teach me how to do shoes. 
you know me mm. the way i talk or like i don't know if it's my personality i blend in with people so quick exactly. after that one day yeah. it's like i was working in karaoke for the past three months <laughs> so yeah yeah man they just share their work with me you know that same day like they did not even let me work for free they told me and still they paid me do you think that's a difference though like with the kenyans the way how mm. they can easily trust you because i was just thinking about that in my head i'm like if you did that in uganda I'm like, <laughs> i think like man I, i don't know in uganda i don't think even if i would like to think about us like being very hospitable but i don't think if such kindness would happen mm-hmm. still in uganda okay let me be optimistic maybe yeah. but I was so shocked that Kenyan people were that nice to me. Right. I never had a bad experience. I never like came across Kenyan people before, but like I just thank God it went that way for me. And came evening I asked them where can I get a cheap hotel? And guess what? The cheapest hotel they showed me, it's like exactly the budget that I was budgeting for. Sleep there following day. I asked them where can I get a room? If I must stay in Kenya, I can rent somewhere. And this girl randomly she tells me You know, I just rented my place so you can come and stay with me. I'm like, mm. okay. I give her the money. We start staying together, and I started working. Literally, the following day, I started working until four days later. Wow. Uh, not until four years later. Talk about taking risks. I know there's a lot of people who are. Uh, this is how I think about, and your story is kind of similar to how I ended up in the US and how I came, um, like yeah. figuring out life, but. That point is where I tell people like sometimes it's good to take take risks because if you sit down and you think how am I going to do this 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 blah blah it's going to look hard but sit mm-hmm. on that bus go there wing it sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but you never find out unless you make the decision to go Yeah So you settled in Kenya and after Kenya how where 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 else did you go and how did you get there So after Kenya but when I reached 18 I came back to Uganda got a passport quickly and then go went back to Nairobi Now my four years in Nairobi are done it's 2015 You went I there for you were thinking years. of four days and you spent four years cuz uh, You know <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because I came to America thinking I'm going to be here for one year. I've been here for 10 years now. I was living in Uganda. I was like, let me go to America, study for one year, come back. And what, my school was supposed to be for one year. And then boom. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're there for 10 years. Life happens. So, man, um, it's 2015. I'm 20. Now I feel like I'm a grown-up. You know, I understand the world much better. So, I'm like, how about we go to South Africa, you know? Mm. Me myself and I my head is telling me I can do it. You know I had made some money and you know like doing this little research on Google how much is it to go to South Africa and I said it's 1 million I'm like ah, what million <laughs> share that Oh what was song of Tonanyo Yeah what song of Tonanyo Kenyan shillings is a lot of money Yeah I've saved up my money. I'm like, we're going to South Africa. And in my head, I had a clear mind on when I go to South Africa, I know I want to be an actress. And I have watched their movies. I have fantasized about Mafiki Zolo. I love the entertainment industry there. I'm going to be an actress in South Africa. Mm-hmm. But whatever way we start, I can do here. So there's nothing I cannot do on this earth. Yeah. Let's go. I get on a bus. I pay a bus from Kenya to Tanzania. Reaching Tanzania, 
Actually, for me, I thought when I reached Tanzania, I would just like get one bus that's going to take me straight forward to South Africa. Mm -hmm. If you asked me if I had any plans, like, you know, for South Africa, I never had any plans. At least when going to Kenya, I was like, at least if I can estimate four days in a hotel. Going to South Africa, I never had those thoughts. Yeah. All I knew is I have one million. It must take me to South Africa. <laughs> How do we get from the streets? I don't know. <laughs> so I go to Tanzania. Now I reach Tanzania and I realize when you are traveling, your money loses value mm. because now you have Kenyan shillings. You're going to have to transfer it into Tanzanian Tanzania. shillings. Mm -hmm. You have to pay for the exchange rates. Mm -hmm. Now, when you reach Tanzania, there's Zambia, there's Zimbabwe, there's South Africa. Before we get there, the money is finished. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I get my money, the rest of the money that I had. I think I was left with like 800,000 Ugandan shillings. And I reach the bus and I tell them I want to go to South Africa. They tell me there is no bus that goes to South Africa, but there's a bus that goes that goes to Zambia. And all you have to pay is 900,000. I'm like, the, like according to Tanzanian money, it's mm -hmm. 900,000 Ugandan shillings. 900,000. Wow. Mm -hmm. but, the, the, but the money is not 900 anymore. I'm left with 800k. <laughs> oh, where do we go from there? <laughs> The actress in me comes out. I start crying for help. I beg them, just take me. I have 800,000. Please, please, please. Yay. Kumbe. Mm. I am becoming prey in that moment. But of course, like in that moment, I did not know. I'm just like begging for help. I want to go. I'm desperate. And you know, out of everything, I never had that thought of coming back to Uganda because like Uganda has nothing for me. I don't have anyone I connect to there. So let's just go wherever the world takes me. They do me a favor. They give me a ticket. We go into Zimbabwe. Now, were you, were you buying visas for these countries or they would just let you just go through? No. And mind you, because me, I'm East African, you know, mm -hmm. all I know is everywhere. It's visa free for me, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drama. Come on holds me on the way mm -hmm. of course like entering Z Z uh, tanzania it's like easy or east african now we go we are crossing the border we have to enter zambia mm -hmm. but it's at night and i don't know the border restrictions you cannot attend night la -da -da -da, whatever uh past 10 p.m the buses are not allowed so we reach Tunduma, the border of zambia and uh, tanzania and the bus stops and i'm like the border is there why is the bus stopping the conductor says we have to get out to Kaende Kwa Hotel to Lale and then get sure to Kaende Kwa Border Post to get our stamps. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> the border is just here. Can't we just cross? Yeah. He's like, no. So I'm like, okay. I will sleep in the bus. He's like, I'm sorry, here you don't sleep in the buses. You see the hotels there? Mm. Everyone goes and sleeps there. Where's the money going to come from? Exactly. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> you know me? Because I feel like I've lived on the streets and like everything is okay for me, the street life, I'm used to it. I'm like, you know what? I can actually sleep outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone gets out of the buses. They go. The conductor looks at me. He's like, are you sure you're going to sleep outside? And I'm like, yeah. Go. He's like, well, Ms. Jenna, let me tell you. Mm. I can help you not to sleep outside. Come sleep with me for one night and I give you even $50. Because... Remind you, the one who bought me the ticket, who sold me the ticket in the, Tanzania. Yeah. I know you don't have money. How are you going <laughs> to even enter Zambia? I give you money. I give you shelter. 
I'm like, no, I can never do that. I will sleep outside. Before he could even reach the hotel, the guys, you know, borders can be hectic, yeah? Mm -hmm. Everyone, like, there's so many thieves, clever ones, and yeah. they, anything can happen. And I'm a young girl. Before he could even reach the hotel, some random guys, they come up to me. They're like, yeah, baby, what day? Yeah, <laughs> I, I ran and followed the conductor. <laughs> and then I go, like, I, I just felt like, man, I don't know. Thinking about it makes me feel like that's like one of the most disgusting days of my life mm -hmm. because I had to switch into prostitution mode immediately. And like I am in the middle of two, I can see where I, I'm going. It's just Zambia and Zimbabwe. And then I reached South Africa and now it's Tanzania and Kenya. And then the backdrop of Uganda, mm -mm. Mm. let's do whatever we can so we can move forward. There, prostitute Esther Natkunda goes, sleeps with the conductor. In the morning, he gives me $50. I come to the border. I pay 50 Hey, you know, if he did not even tell me, I didn't know how I was how I was going to enter that border because I never knew about nothing about border posts and visas and paying mm -hmm. nothing. Hi, I pay $50. We get on a bus. I feel filthy, but the journey must keep going. Chasing the dream. We go. Right? We're chasing the dream. Mm -hmm. We're going. Now we reach Chirundu, the border of Zambia. And Zimbabwe. <laughs> and you know, to end up Zimbabwe, I need one hundred dollars. <laughs> so, so I don't know what to do now because the conductor is looking at everyone is getting out of the bus. They're getting to they're going to get their stamps. I'm just standing. He comes to me and in Swahili, in Swahili, he tells me. And I'm like, but like I said, God will always come through for me, regardless, even if like help comes with a price, like help always came with a price. Mm -hmm. Because at that border, I'm there, I'm standing, I don't know what to do. Guess what? A Ugandan man in his 40s, he comes to me, he calls me by my name. Damn. Natkunda Esther. Excuse me, how do you know my name? Kume, this guy has been eyeing me also from Tanzania. Was part of the bus. I know, yeah. Mm -hmm. He saw me begging for the ticket, so he knew I don't have money. And this man, it is like his job to support young girls like me coming to South Africa or trying to get a better life in South Africa. And he helps them to reach there, and then he does whatever he wants with you. Mm. But now, I don't know. I'm just seeing a man who knows my name. And I'm like, how do you know my name? He said, because I even I was behind the conductor. I know you slept with the conductor. Da, 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 da. But you know what? I don't judge you. I'm your fellow Ugandan. I've, you know, I've met girls like you before. You don't have to do that. I'm old enough to be your father. And he's a Munyankore. So I'm very trusting. You know, he's a grown-up person. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you. A miracle is here. He takes my passport. He's Oof. going to pay for my visa. Yeah. Mm, he takes the passport. They give me a stamp. After they give us a stamp, now I'm, I need to play smart now because I'm not yet about to sleep with somebody else. Mm -hmm. But if in case he needs anything from me, sexually, no. Mm -hmm. But 
in my head, I'm like, he's just a good Samaritan, Ugandan man. The worst thing he could think about is using me. I'm, I'm too young to be his daughter even. Ah, we go. Man says nothing to me. He buys me food. We reach Harare. Now Harare, the capital city of Zimbabwe, is where you get the buses to South Africa. He comes and tells me, mm, so should we go together? And I'm like, wait. I'm like, she's like, to South Africa. I'm like, no. I mean, I can manage from here. Thank you for your help. Okay. He got his way. Now I'm standing. I'm out, I'm out of the bus. I'm like, okay, what do we do from here? And guess what? The conductor. The conductor comes with his two other friends. And he tells me, Sinajua auna pesa. Ebukuja, ulale na mimi. And my friends, and then we give you $150. I was like, what? You know what I did? Mm -mm. I went and chased the other you can't. They chased him. I'm like, hey, hey, wait for me, wait for me. He's like, hey, what, what, what's the problem? You said you can handle it from here. I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah, everything that I ex expected did not work out. Let's just go together, help me. He's like, yeah, feel free. You, you're very young, beautiful girl, nice skin. You're very talented. You've been around. Man, I understand the struggle. I have helped many of you. Mm -hmm. Let's go to South Africa. We go. Now we're about to enter South Africa. And there on the border of entering South Africa Bay Bridge, there is no paying. You're not going to pay to enter there. Mm. Strictly visa or they deport your ass back oh, home. Man. Uh-huh, what do we do? He's like, keep quiet, sit in the bus, don't do anything. So for people that don't understand Bait Bridge, like there's Limpopo River there, most people die from cro crocodiles eating them because they want to cross the river legally by swimming. There's like, you can pass through the mud at night. So like, if you don't get shot by immigration, the crocodiles are going to eat. <laughs> so whichever option that you take... You are not crossing the border alive unless if God is on your side. But anyway, he I think for him, he had crossed this border so many times mm -hmm. because he li we literally just sat in the bus and I just had to have a strong heart. He put money in our passports to bribe the police officers that check if you have a stamp. And yeah, they, they took the money. Mm. They literally checked the passports. We have money. They get out. They take out the money. They bring back our passports and they gave us a pass ahead. Did the passports have the visa list? No, we don't have a visa, <laughs> so we need to bribe. We need to bribe this policeman because we don't want to cross the river. I yeah. cannot swim. It's okay. at night. Either way, they will shoot me or mm -hmm. the, the crocodiles will eat me. So, <laughs> so God just helped us and then they accepted, they accepted the bribe and we entered. Hey, me, I'm happy. We passed Pretoria. I'm like, Whoop. yes, South Africa. Dream I come am true. Here. Dream come true. But I was so exhausted. We reached to a place called Kahiso. That is where he used to live. And I reached to Kahiso. It's a small, tiny room. Like, Bonnie, I cannot even explain to you how tiny that room is. There's only a mattress and a fridge and a hot plate. Mm. And there are other two guys there. But I'm too tired to even understand what's going on. The only thing that I remember, the youngest boy told me, do not sleep, do not eat. And they were, he was telling me, the man that I came with, you're tired, eat something and sleep. 
And this boy was saying, do not eat, do not sleep. But I was so tired, born six days on the road. Mm -hmm. I just slept. I slept and guess what? I woke up at 1 a.m. And we're going to work. Dang. They wake me up. Wake up, we're going to work. Work? Where? At, at night? I am a hairdresser. You, you said you're going to help me get a salon job, right? Mm -hmm. I am a hairdresser. Can't we find jobs in the morning? The way I got to slap. <laughs> yeah? Slap to wake me up very nicely. <laughs> There's this box he, he threw at me like that has abortion papers in my face. Mm. He's like, get up. We're going to work. And it's 2015. The worst xenophobia that has ever happened in South Africa. Foreigners are being killed everywhere. Mm. So he asks me, do you want to go on the streets in South Africa to see if you can survive for two hours? If no, get up. Let's go to work. And he has my passport and he has my phone. Where do we go? We get out and we go to the streets and start, you know, like putting posters of abortion papers on the streets, transformers, schools, Bonnie primary schools. Hmm. And that's, that kept on like for the one day, two day, two weeks. Now I have to start doing the abortions myself. So what he does, I think I was, the reason why he helped me, I'm a, I look like a very trustworthy person and I can blend in with people. And girls, when they want to do abortion, they would rather prefer a female mm -hmm. than a male. So initially, in the first week, he wanted to take me to Santon to do prostitution because there are so many people, white people, Asian people, that want to sleep with young African girls and then they pay money. So that's like a very big job there. Mm. But... He also realized I'm very smart when it comes to talking. So he decided, you're by the grace of God. You're, I know, like, you know, God helps me, but it comes with a price. By the grace of God. The first time he took me to the mansion in Santon, I reached there. And the lady, the lady who was like in charge of the young ladies that are brought there, she did not like me because the husband was looking at me so much. Mm. So she said, they must not leave me. They must save me. That's where they got me from. That's how I survived prostitution. So we stay in Kahiso, and now my job is to pick up. Hello, my name is Natkunda Esther. I'm pregnant, four weeks, five weeks. I want to do abortion. Okay, let's meet. And there's a certain KFC that we used to meet at in Kahiso Mall, and then we reach there. I just tell you, I'm wearing a pink dress. Da, da, da. What are you wearing? I'm wearing da, da. And then you come, I spot you, deal. I take your money, I give you the pills. I tell you how to use the pills, and I ask you, do you want to do it yourself? Or you can't do it with us. If you do it yourself, I Zulu. If you die, none of our business. <laughs> if you come, if you come, we help you. You pay us more money. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a business that makes more money. But here is me, Christian Natkunda Esther, saying, God, if there's anything I can ever do that's a sin that I am asking you never forgive me, it is to do abortion yeah. because it's literally murder right. here is me Kunda Esther, literally looking at women's private parts and having to touch the parts that come out of them from helping them to do abortion i tell you you know all my smartness all my courageousness because like i know i'm strong i can make it in a new country i went to kenya without knowing anyone yeah. i myself in a bus without knowing anyone where i'm going 
that entire courage went away. Mm -hmm. There's a way South Africa humbled me that I cannot even think. I and yo, I don't know if it's also because xenophobia was a factor. Yeah. You could not be able to walk on the streets very well, like you know, in peace, and you are fearing. Krakiso is not far from Soweto, and there's these stories that we've had from Soweto, how rough, I've been seeing it on TV, people get burnt, most especially Ugandans, Nigerians, and Kenyans. Whew. I am stuck as a slave. Mm -hmm. Enslaved by my fellow Ugandans, basically. <laughs> and on top of that, it's still with the guys, when they have, like, when they feel like they have a, an art sexually, you have to satisfy it. You're literally there. Mm-hmm. And I don't get any money out of it. Oh. oh, so they were not paying you for doing that? No, no. I have to work until the money they help me with gets finished. Oh, damn. And he told me, you're going to have to work for a year for me to give you back your passport. Mm. And, you know, before a year could finish, Bonnie, I felt like, I, man, you know, waking up and you feel like you're just an object. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just an object. You wake up. If they feel like you can eat, you can eat. If they don't want you to eat, you don't eat. If they eat and give you leftovers. Oh, man. Oh. Anyway, I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to go to the police police station and report. I didn't tell them. But I woke up and was like, you know what? I am going to be a good person. Mm -hmm. I want to live legally in this country. I'm going to report them. I go to the police station, I report. Before I could reach home, back, they understood that mm. I had gone to report. If corruption, if I've seen corruption work, yeah, corruption works in South Africa. The people that say, oh, my country, my country, because I, can't, I, I, I actually reached a moment where I'm like, how can South Africans burn foreigners for stealing their jobs and committing crime in their country, but their, their law and enforcement, they are the ones that take the most amount of bribe to accept these criminals to happen. Because even if you go reports, nothing's going to happen. They've got the bribe. Nothing yeah. is so really. Why are South Africans crying? Mm -hmm. Anyway, I go report. They're like, oh, really? Wow. Okay. You know what? Go back home. We will come randomly like someone gave us a tip. When I reached home, I was beaten. <laughs> what were you thinking you're going to do to report us? You know how many people we know. Bonnie, like, it was so crazy that these, the two of the guys, they even had South African passports. Mm. And it's not their pictures that are on there. But they used to use them, like, to rob people. I was like, and where are the owners of these IDs? Mm -hmm. Where are the owners of these documents? Are they dead? Are they alive? Like, it was just so weird that, you know, Sangoma Ring. Most people, when I say Sangoma Ring, they're like, Yeah. Like, a lot of people think, like, oh, it's in the tales, da, 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 da. it's real. Like, mm -hmm. witchcrafting, fake witchcrafting, guys. There is no Ugandan who is going to South Africa to do real witchcraft. No. And I'm sorry to say if you have a South African audience, but I'm very open. I don't know how stupid South African people could be to believe that any foreigner who speaks in gibberish, they are a real witch doctor. Mm. It's so weird because, like, the kind of witchcrafting they do, 
I am like in the back, mind you, like the ladies trust me. Like I'm trustworthy in the I'm good for the business because of the ladies. And yeah. the ladies are stupid. The ladies are desperate <laughs> for men. The ladies are desperate for relationships. Now she comes to the shrine, and it's the guy who is in the front, and he's like, Oh, talk to me. Talk to me. I will speak with my ancestors to get you what you want. Oh, you know, Baba, I don't have a man. I don't have a relationship. I make this money, but I want marriage. Yeah, okay. Me, I'm hearing. And you know, like, you know how you'll be like, oh, like, or whatever yeah. they're speaking in another language. They are speaking in Luganda to me to understand. <laughs> so that you, the client, you're thinking, this one is like saying, talking to the ancestors. I am the ancestor this man is talking to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one is thinking, this one is speaking with the language of yeah. the ancestors. <laughs> when they get out, I follow them. I see what you do, where you live, where you work, what time do you eat, who you associate with. So when, so that we can know more about you to rob money from you. Mm. If I know you don't have a man, I know where you work. So what we would do is, the craziest one that I had to do was I we cut a chicken, yeah. a live one, and then I had to go to her house at night, like 2 a.m., and throw a, a chicken, like just like do the blood to go on her gut, mm -hmm. and then throw it in her yard. Because we know in the morning, if you came last week and then the witch doctor told you, I see bad luck happening around you. But you know what? When you see any sign, come back. The ancestors are sending a message to you. Mm -hmm. Me, I throw the chicken. You see blood at your gate. You run back. And then the judge tells you, bring 200,000 rands. Because the gods have showed me we need to combat this problem. Oh, my God. And then God. you bring the money. Oh. That is crazy. That is crazy. For me, literally, okay. I was just sitting back and just listening and just feel like some things I've watched in movies and just feeling it like real life, you know? Like, And I want my listeners to to get this. This is an interesting story. I, I really love it. It also pictures like a lot of stories of people who go out and those who desire to go out, who are desperate, who mm -hmm. like they get you in your desperate time where you really don't have a lot of like options. So what cuts it for you in South Africa? What cuts it for you and you're like, you know what, South Africa? It won me wild. Mm. You know, um, when I ran away from the guys, like I read two of them died, one committed suicide, da, da, da. So I ran away from these guys and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start a normal life. I start getting a saloon job. I work, you know, studying my acting, officially studying being an extra, da, da, da. And now uh, it's 2020. We enter lockdown and what am i supposed to do i am broke i don't have money the money all the money that i had i was sending it back home because i i had a family back home and like when with the time when i used to grow up all the years that went by i started sending back money home to my mm -hmm. little sister take her to school da, da, da. so now it reached a moment where like my sister even i brought her to south africa and then i took her to dubai she goes to dubai and now 2020 I'm like, okay, there's nothing for me left here. It's locked down. I'm not working. What do we do? My sister sends me a visit. She's like, come to Dubai. I go to Dubai. I go to Dubai, but I've told myself, Esther, you have struggled too much to be a housemaid in Dubai. Mm -hmm. Oh, hell no. We are not doing that. 
<laughs> so I look for a job. It's so hard for me to look for a job. But finally, I get a job in Nike to be a sales associate as a part-time. Now, after two weeks, they tell me they want to take me as a full-time employee. However, they want to give me money that is less than what even a cleaner in Dubai mall makes. Mm. And I refused because there is a certain degradation that comes with the term, I am Ugandan. Mm -hmm. For you to be Ugandan, you're supposed to be a Kadama or a cleaner. And I am here presenting my experience in South Africa. Like I've worked in Samsung da, 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 as a sales associate. I cannot do any of these jobs. I want to be in sales. What I feel like is rightfully mine, where I belong. And they tell me because of your nationality, we have to pay you this certain amount of money. And I'm like, nope, I will not sign that contract. Mm -hmm. So guess what? I came on a visit visa. It's getting expired. We need to make money to renew it. Right. Yay. Stress, struggle, <laughs> looking for jobs. <laughs> Pressure. And then, yeah, I started like going on doors, knocking people do people's doors, telling them I'm a hairdresser, da, da, da. and then here and there, here and there, I'll get back people to hairdress. But initially, I couldn't find a job. I entered over state. Mm. But thank God, I met this other Filipino girl. She helps me out. I stay with her. I clear my overstay. Now I feel like life is What's the process back. of clearing the overstay? Like, what's the process of that? Uh, you have to take yourself to Zaid City. There's a place called Military Zaid Military City. It's in Abu Dhabi. Okay. So if you want to clear your overstay, you must take yourself. It's literally a deportation center. Mm. Okay? Go to Zaid Military City and tell them, I am here. I'm here to clear my overstay. But you know what, Bonnie? I, it was like almost a year, over a year in Dubai. And I'm like, you know what? How about I just get deported? Like, I've given up on life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I reached a moment in Dubai where, like, it was so hard for me to get a job. I even started thinking I could actually be a prostitute to make money. Because prostitutes in Dubai, they don't suffer. And, you know, because I had this Christian beliefs that, you know, I'm going to go on a celibacy journey. I started that in my head when I'm in South Africa, when I was in South Africa. God, I'm making this covenant with you until I say I do. I'm not going to have sex again. I reached in Dubai and I saw the only way I could make money is to use my body. Mm. But the day, the first day I got a customer, I tell you, we go to a restaurant. He buys me a smoothie. And I'm standing there and I'm like, are we going to do prostitution? Okay, God, I've given up on my promises because you don't want to help me do real things, do real jobs. I'm going to do prostitution. And I just heard this voice inside me telling me, could you really? And I was like starting to forgive myself for my past prostitution, like trying to use my body to get out of situations. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? We're not doing this. It's better, Esther. Let's go in the building and throw ourselves off the building so we can die. So we know God doesn't care about us anymore. I reached the building where I was staying. I want to throw myself. And I'm like, but you know what? You've come a long way. Mm -hmm. You cannot live your life like this. Mm -hmm. What do we do? So that brought up my decision to go to Zayed City and I asked them to deport me because I'm an overstay again and I don't have money. And you know what? Most people forgive my overstay. Because I remember, like, I think like two months back, prior to that, I had picked up someone's passport. I think they were from Qatar. They dropped it somewhere. So I picked up a passport and I took it to the nearest police station. I didn't know. But like, guess what? A good deed can get you 
somewhere in Dubai. Like mm-hmm. it can get you wayward. At that point, I just felt like, ah, man, you know, a passport is very important when you are in a foreign country. Yeah. So when I picked it, I just, I was like, oh, hi, the police. I, dro- I got someone's passport. I think they dropped it unknowingly. So now after months, I am here at the deportation center. I want them to send me back home because I'm in overstay and I can't clear it. And I don't want them to have a ban in me or like or in my passport. They told me, you know, one time you picked someone's passport and you brought it. Yeah. Okay. Because you did a good deed. We forgive your overstay. Hmm. They forgive my overstay. And I know Muslims are good about good deeds. Like they, that mm-hmm. is, that's a big deal. Yeah. So anyway, man. Um, they forgive my overstay and they told me I had some few, a uh, couple of bucks, even if like it was not enough to pay off my overstay. But when they forgave me, they told me to get out of UAE so I can come back to the UAE. So I just took a flight to, what was it? Bahrain? Mm. Uh, Kuwait. Kuwait. I went to Kuwait. I've, seen, I've had more people to Kuwait, yeah. Yeah, I went to Kuwait and then they renewed my visa. Now I'm back to the UAE. I have one month to live there and I'm like, ooh. Okay. Now when they I renewed your visa, did they just renew to a visit again or was it a work visa? Yeah, visit again because in the UAE, you don't just get a work visa. Your okay. employee, your employer gives you a job. Okay. And then they file an Emirates ID for you. Gotcha. Yeah, but anyway, still in that month, I realized there's nothing really that I'm going to do. I'm going to get a job. I was like, you know what? Let me get out of here. I was still skeptical. I was like, uh, do I go back home? Or if I can ask home, I was talking with my mom by that time. You know, we haven't met again with my mom. But like I was talking with her via my little sister. Da, da, da. And I, was, I used to say money home. You know, you can be broke mm-hmm. in a foreign country. But, you know, we always look for a way to look for some money to send home. Right. So I used to send my kamane. I'm taking care of back home and I'm sending some kamane so they can save it for me mm-hmm. on rainy days so they can give me my kamani or when I come back home my kamani is there. <laughs> Bonnie, I pick up the phone. I've never asked for a favor from anyone. I'm the big sister. I'm like the provider. Like at this point I am the mother to my mother and my little sister and my little brother. But I give my mom a call and I'm like would you please send me 700,000 Uganda shillings? You know, 700,000 Uganda shillings? Yeah. In Dubai, that's little money. Right. And all I needed that money for was to board a flight ticket so I can come back to Uganda, whatever can happen to me in Uganda, and then I'll go back in Dubai on good terms. My mom, my mom tells me, I need to consult with my little sister if I need my money. I've never felt so stupid, bruh. Because from South Africa, I was paying school fees for my siblings and still sending money back home so they can keep it for me. You know, when you're there, you're like, in my mind, I think I have some savings of 20 million. Mm -hmm. Now I'm in a situation where I need some of my money. I call my mom and she tells me, ask your little sister for permission because she has been getting some money and sending it back home. So... I was like, how the person that I took to school when she was in primary seven, mm-hmm. senior one, senior two, and I give her a better education more than me. She finished senior four. I bring her to South Africa. She does not have to prostitute herself. I pay for her flight ticket. She goes to Dubai. I still take care of her in Dubai. I help her find a good job in Dubai. 
I need to ask her for permission to get my money mm. in, in African families. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now she has more money than me. She has the right to my money now. Yeah. You know what? I just said, okay. Switched off that phone. And thank God, even that phone that I used to call, it even got lost on the aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Aguirre, that I was living with in, by that time in the bed space, she was paying for the rent. She gave me 700000 I think, in Neziguamau. She paid for a flight ticket to, for me to come back to Uganda. But guess what? Mm-hmm. If I called my family and asked for help when I've been sending this money, can I come back to that house when I come back to Uganda and I have nowhere to go? Mm. So I reach Uganda and I have nowhere to go. I reach the airport. I don't have where to go. Bonnie, Did you even I have somebody have to pick you up? <laughs> oh! <laughs> I remember... I reached DXB at the airport and I only had like my bag, my handbag, like not even a suitcase, my handbag. Mm-hmm. Like there, is, there was no even use for me to carry a suitcase because where am I going to go with it in Uganda? Right. So I reached the airport. There's this Ugandan guy. He had like two suitcases. He has a lot of luggage. And you know what? Let me play Samaritan. I'm like, hey, uh, you need help. Instead of you paying a lot of money, I don't have luggage. I can claim the luggage for you. And then they put it on me and then voila, we go, right? Mm-hmm. Shame, I helped that guy. And then we reached the airport in Uganda. And I get out. I have nowhere to go. Everything is cleared for him. He comes to me and he gives me 50,000 Ugandan shillings. Mm-hmm. And he tells me, thank you for helping me. And when I tell you that's the only money I got when I was in Uganda, I kid you not. Mm-hmm. And that money cannot even take you from the airport to put you even in Kampala. Because taxis at the airport mm-hmm. are expensive. And I'm there. I have nothing to do, have nowhere to go. And that same guy, he asks me, what's the problem? I'm like, I don't have where to go. He says, you know what? My sister's going to come with a small car. And if, if if there is enough space after they put in the luggage, you can fit yourself in there. They bring this tiny car. I shove myself in the boot. And then voila, mm. we come to Kampala. Manawa City. <laughs> <laughs> I reach Kampala. They drop me in Wakaliga. They ask me, wait, do you know where you're going? I'm like, no. But mm-hmm. you know what? I just got a border border from there. And I told them to bring me to Makere. Now, when I was young, I ran away from home when I was nine. Okay. And when I was living in the, on the streets, there's a family that picked me off the streets. And I stayed with them from when I was nine until when I was 12, before mm. I even ran away again to start working. But now I'm back to Uganda, have nowhere to go. So I just took a border border to that house. The ones that pick me off the streets. Mm-hmm. And I go there and I find, I go back to, to the school and I find the first son of the family. He's called John Mary. Now he's a, like a very famous gospel artist in Uganda. Mm. And I, I reach the school. I tell him, hey, I find him there. Thank God. And I just cry out to him. I'm like, I have nowhere to go. He's like, come stay at my place. And they take me in with his wife and they help me get a job where I met Javi. Nice. And now I'm starting life afresh in Uganda. That, that is amazing. I, to be honest with you, even to the listeners that have been able to listen to us to this point, like when I was starting this conversation, this whole podcast, 
today to record. I had like a bunch of questions I wanted to ask you. But I felt like this conversation was so good that I didn't even want to interrupt a bit because there's a lot of things to learn in your story, in what you just shared today, uh, especially when I highlighted was we're so desperate to go and look for green pastures. We're so desperate to go and get the money. And sometimes it's good for us to go take the risk. You got to be smart. You got to work. But I like how you shared your journey and coming back to Uganda. So how long have you been in Uganda now? Uh, It's coming to a year now. I'm about to make a year in um, April. Okay. How is your relationship with your family? Uh, Well, (laughs) I don't really want to sound bitter, even if I am. Okay. But the real fact is when I came back to Uganda, I think I got a knock in my head that Esther come to your senses. You are on this planet alone. Mm-hmm. Most especially if you don't have money, you are shit, you're nothing. And let me be shit to the bonnies, the harvest that don't know me, but even to your own family, mm-hmm. you're nothing. So, like I said, even that old phone that I had, it got lost in the flight because we nearly like fell in Lake Victoria. When I was coming back home, the plane nearly fell oh, in really? the lake. But during that turbulence, my phone fell. And that's where all my contacts went for my family. I know like my sister's on Instagram and TikTok. She can see me. But guess what? I really don't care about anyone right now. Yeah. I have not reached out to anyone. No one. And guess what? Mm-hmm. I do not want to hear from anyone. When I reach a time and I feel like I've made it in life, maybe. Mm-hmm. Only when I pray to God, no one is dead. That's good enough for me. Yeah, That's what I, I, I think. And not that I promote hate or anything, but healing takes time. And you cannot rush your healing. It's going to be yeah. come from within. Like, you don't have to, to force it. So, But as much as I fight for reconciliation and forgiving i have to understand and everybody even the listeners you can't Mm -hmm. force somebody to heal at the pace you want them to heal it's always good to go through your emotions go through what life has hit you when nobody Mm. was there so it's it's not a place for me to judge where you are with with the people yeah um but i really like esther it's it's amazing to just like hear these stories and get an experience of people who are outside in another country in other countries like i moved to the yeah. u.s and i've there was some similarities of things you were sharing in your story that i've gone through being in america and i shared a little bit of that on the podcast but hearing that and this going out to the people who are out there like South Africa, it prepares them it it like this is also an option this could happen this could happen mm. so it it mm. helps you to do that but i'm gonna ask you a few questions before i let you go uh on the podcast yeah. and i think my audience if my audience doesn't i would love to have you back on here already because i'm like <laughs> the conversations you and i can go through we could talk for yeah. days and days and days um mm. but there's questions i usually ask my people before i leave i i, I um we, we end the podcast. What has been a life lesson you've learned in life to this point? My biggest lesson in life, it's God and then you. And I think most, most, <clears throat> mostly I've come to understand really 
be some somebody even if you're doing something wrong but mm -hmm. be somebody mm -hmm. because living my life i've come to understand when you don't have you are nothing and i always use this example like i said on the podcast on the reaper podcast that african parents would prefer a person who is a prostitute for as long as they give them some money because if you don't have you are nothing and i you, you are nothing when you don't have anything. anything do whatever you can. Yeah. Don't be broke because if you're broke, you're nothing in society. Mm -hmm. And the way African parents are with money, they can do anything. They can do yep. anything. And the, the the point you talked about on the podcast that I the point where you got that whoever has the money, yemwana. Like yep. I innocente, if you can give them money, if they can get something from you. You are the frontliner, but yes. not really. Mm. Like it could be even somebody, it could be your blood sibling, you know, like things like that can yep. happen. Um, the other question I want to ask you, what gets you excited about life? What gets me excited about life is I am very ambitious. However much I've gone through like a rough life, I still have my dreams. I'm extremely ambitious about being an actress and I feel like now 2024 and i'm gonna be 29 it is when i feel like i am a, i feel like even if like i feel like i'm 50 i feel like i've lived the life of a 50 year old mm -hmm. at the same time i feel like i'm 18 like my life is just starting now yeah like on a clean slate so what really keeps me going is because i'm extremely ambitious and i'm very um true to my talents and i want to make it in life and mm -hmm. yeah like I always say, look at me as the greatest of all time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I like I like your energy. I like I wish everybody taps into your energy and get yeah. a glimpse of that energy. The final question: Who would you like mm. to see on this podcast next as a guest? And you're going to help me get that person on here to come and share their story. I would like to see Etania. You know Etania, the last of the the life of the party, the girl who works on Energy Radio. Mm -hmm. I would love to see her tell her story because recently uh, she has a reality TV show that she's on and she's shared a little bit about her life. And I could never resonate to anyone more than her. The Kampala Cream. The Kampala Cream girl? Yeah. She lived some hectic life. Like when I was still crying about my life, mm -hmm. I was like, girl. Yeah. Girl. So I'm not alone. It happens to people and we are here. Exactly. We're still alive and we're still going. Exactly. So, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna try to get Itania on the podcast and you can help me. I'll do my job on the other side too to get her and we'll have yeah. her on the podcast. Esther, okay. thank you very much for being on the podcast. And this is not the last time, this is the first of the many times I want to have you on this podcast to talk to my listeners. Thank you so much for having me as well. All right. Talk to you. Thank you. All right. Hey there. Uh, this is Bonnie Kibuka, the host of the Ugandan Boy Talk Show. Thanks for watching and listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend and recommend somebody to this podcast. Don't forget to leave a feedback on this podcast because that's how we grow. And also don't forget to share, like, subscribe, and comment. Join us on our social media platforms on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So we'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much and be blessed.